the boat with the sailors. He thought he paid the price, but little did he know God had a bigger price for him to pay. Jonah gets fed up, and he, he tells the guys because he got caught red-handed that this was on him. So he tells the, the, the captains of the ship, he says, just throw me over, kill me. He'd rather die than do what God wanted him to do. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. So he tried to cheap way it out. So they end up praying. They all called out to God. They cast lots. Lots fell on Jonah. And then they decided, man overboard. Jonah had to go. Well, God still wasn't done with Jonah yet. So he had a big fish swallowing. Then this big fish spit him up. He landed on land. He took off running. He ran into Nineveh. Man, he was in that belly three days, three nights. That's real familiar of Jesus Christ. But so he was in the belly of this fish. He gets spewed up out of the fish's mouth. He runs to Nineveh, hollering about, repent, repent, or destruction's coming upon you. And really in his mind, he wanted destruction to come upon Nineveh. He didn't want Nineveh saved. He wanted them to all die. He felt like they deserved to die. You would say, why did Jonah want them to die? Because they was murderers. They were stone-cold killers in Nineveh. The Assyrians... They would chop you up, cut your head off, put it on a pole, walk you around through the city. They was horrible people. And Jonah felt as if they didn't deserve God's grace and mercy. Well, that sounds like some of us with others. So Jonah goes in, he preaches to them, he tells them that their city is going to be overthrown. Cows, camels, goats, babies, moms, dads. All was going to be killed if they did not repent. And what did they do? They repented. The biggest revival breaks out. Some 120,000 people get saved. And here we are. You would think Jonah would be so excited. Any evangelist, if this ever happened to them, buddy, they would mount that plaque on a wall. They would be excited. You could stick a fork in them and they could be done. And, and they would say their mission was accomplished because some 120,000, a whole city had repented. A whole city. But Jonah, no. So today I want us to understand something as Christians. We need to let God play his role while we do our part in reaching the world. See, we have got to stop playing church. You say, what do you mean, Pastor William? Well, it's about like kids when they play house, they take on a role of a, a mom or a dad or, or others. Some will play doctors as little children. Well, many people play church and they forget the role of God is taken. You say, what, what do you mean there, pastor? Well, well I'm saying we, we come into the church house and, and we forget God's role is not our role and our role is not God's role we need to let God be God and us just be servants so would ask this morning if you would go on and start flipping to Jonah chapter 4 we're gonna knock out this whole chapter if the Lord be willing but if you have a smartphone, a Kindle, a Bible app on any type of 
cellular device if you'd go on and flip there. If not, it will be on the monitors behind me. But out of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy word, would ask that if all possible this morning, you could stand for the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and set and set to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to, give, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? It's as if Jonah didn't know what Jesus would say in Matthew. And, and this is where we are blessed because we have the word of God. We have the scriptures. And, and, and honestly, just off that very first verse there, where it says that, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. I, I just don't get it. 120,000 people has just repented. And the best Jonah could do is be angry. And I just want to jump into these pages and say, Jonah, stop. You're missing it. You're missing the whole boat, Jonah. You have been missing it this whole time. And just share Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 with him. If you look with me, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jonah's forgetting this. Jonah's forgotten that, that, that everything of God, he's, he's not loving his enemies. He's ticked off. So many of us that even in this day, we do the same thing. We get ticked off when someone comes to the Lord at times. But see, from these verses in the text in chapter 4, we get truth that shows the real spirit and nature of man. 
This whole passage lays out the real spirit and nature of man. See, people at times, they, they, they truly, people want hell for those who they feel deserve it. We'll look at that in a minute. But then they also, at the same time, people want hell for others, but yet want mercy for themselves. Now, I want you to know that only God can uh, be just in determining who gets mercy and judgment. This is up to God, not up to us. Again, we have got to stop playing little gods. So the first thing I want to look at this morning is people want hell for those that they feel deserve it. Many talk about wanting mercy for everyone, but, but they mean everyone that they feel deserves mercy. See, do you really want mercy for your enemy? For the one who has really made you mad all through life, do you really want mercy for them or do you pick and choose? Well, God, I really want you to have mercy on this person or that person. But that person over there, man, they've done so much evil and so much wrong, I don't feel they deserve it. Stop, you're not God. You're not God. We've got to stop. We should want mercy and grace for everyone because God extended mercy and grace to us we need stop picking and choosing and some will openly tell you who they believe does not deserve this mercy I've actually been in rooms where they say little Johnny Joe he don't deserve it it ain't right for him to get it he don't need it it ain't right he gonna keep doing what he's doing and just gonna keep being the way he is and we sit there and say he don't deserve God's mercy but yet we come to the cross and we say Lord Jesus will you please help me that's messed up. Well, that's like being like Jonah. See, Jonah wanted everything for himself, but he didn't want it for the others. He just didn't. And then Jonah's prayer in uh, chapter 2, verse 8, he clearly states that he feels that our daughters don't deserve this. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 8. It says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. See, others in life will, will show this by their lack of concern and unwillingness to help. Listen, if you're unwilling to help others, you're going to show this. You're going to show it. If we look at what our churches and church members do to reach the lost, we see that there are priorities given to those who get God's mercy. What that means is we play church. So like if you come in the church building and we love you and we walk with you and everything's good from 10 to 12 and we're going to pray with you, but yet the homeless person will roll up the window. What's your priorities? You don't think they deserve mercy and grace too? What about the drug addict that continually, continually keeps walking in that problem they have? You eventually wash your hands on them. What if Jesus washed his hands on you? Where would we be? We need to make sure that we stop playing God. God have mercy on us. See, many of us want to act like Jonah when some people get saved. You, you, you'll see a person come down the aisleway and they give their life to the Lord and you'll be over in the back saying, they ain't for real. They didn't mean it. 
They ain't mean it. You don't know how much they've done did. You don't understand. Just wait and watch. Man, you're speaking death over them. Death over them. Instead of when that person comes down to the altar and you know that they have a problem, you should be the first one to say, let me be a true disciple of Christ. Let me walk with you. Let me help you when times get tough. Let me be there for you. Let me be a shoulder for you to lean on. Let me help you and be accountable with you. Instead of saying, he'll never make it. She'll never make it. It's only a show. Well, what if you say it's only a show one too many times and you realize your whole walk's been nothing but a show? That one will slap you in the face. We become the old holier than thou. See, Nineveh has repented before God and he has spared this great city from his wrath. And now we see Jonah's reaction to this in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. God just spared wrath. You remember in chapter 3 when we talked about all was going to die. He was going to kill everything. Babies, moms, dads, cattle, goats, lambs. He was wiping it all out. Everything. And he spares them. And Jonah gets angry. Jonah gets ticked about this. See, Jonah was unwilling to continue in serving. He, he preferred death instead. I, I could just see Jonah running around stomping his feet. God, why? Why would you do this? Why would you save them people? Them people. 2021. It's coming around the end. We're going into 2022. And instead of saying them people, I'm on my knees hollering about, God, save the remnant. Save the remnant. Save the alcoholic. Save the addict. Save the homosexual. Save them, Jesus. Instead of trying to call down their sins on them and, and, and push them so far away. Listen, around here we're going to call sin, sin. There ain't no question about that. We're going to preach and teach the Word of God, the whole counsel of God, all 66 books of the Bible and everything in between. We will preach and teach the Word of God for what it is. But in the same sense, I'm crying out for that sinner, not for their sin. There's a difference there. The sinner has the soul. The sin's what's got them enslaved. And the accuser of the brethren is the one who's running around hollering kumbaya because he's got them right where he wants them. Where we as saints of God need to be crying out. Just look at your city. It's in turmoils. It's upside down. And we turn a blind eye to this. See, Jonah gives God, and I told you so in verse 2, and finds fault in God's love and compassion. Look with me at verse 2 real quick. It says, And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made has to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. How can Jonah be so upset over God's mercy? 
everything that God did for Jonah, and he's upset because God shows mercy. I just don't get it, church, do you? Like every time I'm reading Jonah, I'm like, Jonah, what is wrong with you? You're a prophet, a man of God, and you're acting like a hellion. Get it together. Ain't you glad we have the text that we can see these things? And, and really, it does. You, when you're reading and you're studying, you just want to get in there and grab these people of the Bible and shake them and say, hey, I know you didn't know the end, but I did. I've read it. You need to understand what's going on. Instead of having all the hatred. See, it was like he was stomping around, pointing his finger up at the Lord God. When he was saying, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd save them. I knew you'd give them a chance. And he did give them a chance. Just like he's given you a chance. He's given all of us a chance. See, these are the very things and the qualities of, of here to God that Jonah was talking about when he said grace and mercy and slowness to anger and steadfast love. He's right on point. I mean, he nailed it. These are the very things that God has revealed about himself. He, he revealed that a long time ago back on Mount Sinai. Did Jonah forget really what God said when you go back to Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19? It says, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Did Jonah forget that? Or then again in, verse, or in chapter 34 and verse 6 when it says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Did he forget that he is serving that same Yahweh? The same God? It's like he wanted God to change because he was having a pout fest. He was mad and upset. So therefore he wanted the Lord God to change. See, Jonah, when he first got his call... If he would have expected Nineveh to be destroyed, he probably would have had to hurry there to give them God's message and seal the deal. The way I read Jonah, if he knew that God was going to destroy him, instead of him running the opposite way, I bet you Jonah would have hightailed and booked it and sealed the deal. Because in his mind, they didn't deserve it. But in God's mind, they did. Because they was part of God's creation. Back in Genesis, God made all things created in his image. So he knew this. And when Jonah finally went to Nineveh, it was only because God supernaturally forced him into it. It wasn't that he did it on his own. He wasn't happy-go-lucky going there the whole way, skipping and clapping. No. God forced Jonah into it supernaturally swallow him up with a fish spit him out he did that supernaturally and even when Jonah obeys God's call it truly becomes clear that his heart is not in it just off of verse 1 when he was angry 
See, it is possible to do the right thing with the wrong heart. And when you do that, it honestly proves that you don't know the heart of God. It proves you don't know the heart of God. It's easy. It's easy to do the right thing with the wrong heart. I see it happen all the time. Sometimes people will do it just for one of these. A pat on the back. Or they'll rip off their shirt and have this super Christian uh, logo on it. Instead of Superman, they say, I'm a super Christian. Look at what I did. But really, was their heart truly in it? Did they do it because their heart longed for it? Their heart longed after what God loved? Or did you do it for the, hey, look at me. That's where you really need to examine yourselves. Do we go out and serve people to say, look at what I've done? Or do we do it behind the scenes to say, look at what God has done? That's the real check in things. What's the motives behind what you do? Is it because God wants you to do it? Or again, is it because you want a pat on the back? See, the same people that wants hell for others truly wants mercy for themselves. You'll be calling down hell on somebody else, but yet in the same sentence, you want mercy for yourself. You can't do that, church. You can't do that. Look with me at Jonah chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, Jonah went out of the city and set to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Notice he wanted to see what would become of that city. I think Jonah still wanted them to fail. He still wanted them to mess up. He still wanted them in turmoil. Notice he didn't stay in the city as God's servant to, to help those who have repented. No, he leaves. He leaves. He didn't even offer the Ninevites prayer or encourage them to keep up with the things of God. No. He hightails and books it. He says, I'm going to sit and watch, thinking they're going to fail. Many times, you right where you're sitting, somebody is praying against you, sitting back on the outskirts of the city walls, saying they're going to fail. Just watch. And they're sitting waiting. And that way, when you do fail or when you do mess up, they can plaster you all over Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever else that might be out there. Instagram, I don't care. They're going to post your face and make you a poster child of the mess up because their motives is crooked and wrong. Make sure you're not doing that against someone. Make sure you're not sitting back with your sailor device locked and loaded waiting on them to, to stumble make sure you're not there I want you to notice that God didn't leave Jonah to himself instead he helps Jonah find comfort with a plant and then he kills the plant now Jonah's mad again God bails him out again takes it away Jonah's mad Ephesians 2 reminds me of this. You know, we was all lost, separated. We went through the book of Ephesians. And when I was reading this chapter, I was keened in on Ephesians 2. 
Because we were dead in our transgressions. Same way with Nineveh. It was dead. It was dead. But I want, I want you to ask yourself, what do you pray for most? Do, you, do we pray for ourselves? Our families? Our friends? Our country? Or do you pray for the lost that we can't reach? Are you more consumed with praying for yourself than the lost? Friends, I, I want you to know that only God can be just in determining who receives mercy. Only God. And this is where we need to let God be God and stop playing God. See, when we deny others of God's mercy, we're playing God. We're playing Him. You know, in closing, this whole study of Jonah has made many of us reflect on our own struggles with God. And although Jonah's obedience was so flawed, God still used him to accomplish his purpose in Nineveh. That should continue to encourage us. That even with all of his flaws, God still used him. Even with all of our flaws, God can still use us. So I'm going to ask you what I asked the very first week. What is your Nineveh? What is your Nineveh? How are you acting towards it? Are you running? Are you running from your Nineveh? Are you running from where God's telling you to go? Are you running from the calling that God has placed upon your life? Are you arguing with God about it? Are you saying, no, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be there. I don't want to take part of that. I just want to be a good little Christian and stay in my lane. And, and I don't really want to get outside of my circle. Are you running from your Nineveh? That's something we all must ask. Maybe you're obeying it externally on the outside, but internally. Are you truly obeying it? See, we can do what God tells us to do on the outside, but on the inside, are we truly gripping it and walking with it and loving the calling that he has us in? Because my friends, every last one of you in this room has a calling on your life. It might not be to get in a pulpit and preach week in and week out. It might not be that kind of calling, but you best believe God Almighty has placed a calling upon your life. But maybe you're arguing with God and saying, God, I, I just still don't know about you yet. I'm still on the fence. I just don't know what I don't know. Listen, if you wait until you get it all figured out, you're in trouble. Because my friends, I don't care if you've been a Christian 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, they never still got it all figured out. Just don't. You continually learn and continue to walk in things. But before you can answer a calling, you must answer what the Lord Jesus Christ has in store for you. You must answer the key component. When he is knocking, you have to answer that call first. 
Because what the Holy Spirit's doing, when you feel that, that big knock or you feel, it feels almost as if your heart's trying to like beat out of your chest and you say, why is this guy talking to me like this? Why is he all in my mind? Why is he saying this? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit knocking on your chest cavity saying, please let me in. Please let me in. But instead you're saying, no, God, I can't see you. I can't feel you. I can't touch you. I just don't know about you. The only reason you can't touch and feel or see him is because you have not accepted him. Because once you accept him, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not emotionalism. That's being sealed with the third part of the Trinity. See, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One and three and three and one indwelling on the inside of you once you receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But until then, you are just an empty vessel taking up room on earth. That's all you are. That's tough, but it's true. But the day you repent, no longer are you an empty vessel. No longer are you just taking up room now you've grabbed the weight of the world and you've said, you've said, God, put me in. I want to put on the full armor of God. I want the helmet of salvation. I want the breastplate of righteousness. I want the belt of truth. I want the shoes of the gospel of peace. I want the shield of faith. And then God equipped me with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and helped me to go out and fight this battle. 